Hey guys, and welcome to the Coffee and Turner Syndrome podcast. My name is Brooke. Pour yourself your favorite cup of coffee, and let's hop into today's episode. We are talking to Finley today, and I want to get into talking about her service dog, Teddy, and her experiences, but first, I'm going to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself and kind of tell a little bit about you and your story, and yeah, so go ahead. Okay, so all sounds good. So um, my name is Finley, or Finley Kate. Sometimes I go by Katie. Um... I was diagnosed kind of later than most people. Um, basically, in college, I started going through menopause, and everyone's like, oh, that's really weird, and that kind of followed with, like, a chromosome test and all of that jazz, but, like, I'd had a whole bunch of, like, health issues for, like, a really long time, um, basically, since I was young. It was, you know, it was just an encompassing of, like, um, like audiology problems and learning disabilities and ADHD and anxiety and, like it all kind of then like mysterious like heart problems and then it basically kind of all came to like a fold I guess when I was about 21 and so now it's been a couple years and that's kind of where we're at um then a couple years ago about actually about two years ago I got um Teddy my service dog so that kind of we kind of hit like a point where like the doctors did what they could do and we kind of realized we were kind of done with like traditional medicine I guess come on Teddy so that's kind of like, that kind of brought us to, you know, um, you, atypical medicine, I guess. Here, go inside. Okay. Yeah. So, so that's really into that. Now I'm super curious about that. What, just yeah. quick, like, what are your favorite things? In general? Yeah. Oh, gosh. I love animals. I've always <laughs> loved, loved animals. Um. I really like like photography and like creative stuff. It's like not necessarily motor skill based, but like artistic based. And I'm really into like geeky stuff. I've always been into like the Harry Potters and stuff like that. But I guess kind of activism has kind of come slowly also. So that's kind of, it's an interest. That's cool. So for yeah. alternative medicine, what have you tried? What have you um, found there? Yeah, so we kind of started, I guess, my mom's kind of a hippie, like the virals, the really good, like, learning disability program, um, but we'd kind of run out of, like, I've been through so, so many medications, and um, I think to a point, you're burnt out on doctors just, like, don't know what to do or how to treat you. They've never heard of it, or they don't want to treat you, or they don't feel comfortable treating you, and it's just, like, after a while, it's just exhausting, and you just have medical trauma which yeah. you might get like like okay kind of like I'm doing my yearly tests and now I'm just exhausted like and anxious yeah, yeah. yeah. was that kind of what kick-started you looking into getting a service animal yeah so um I guess when I was young I was just really like dogs and animals and stuff and then um I always kind of wanted a pet but I think when I was young I was kind of like I want this pet because if I'm having bad days I could have a shoulder to cry on and then um, I guess kind of as I fell down, like, disability community spiral, like, I found out there were service dogs, and I kind of recognized, I was like, well, am I, like, eligible? Is this, like, a good option for me? And then, like, we decided to just, like, 
I was like, oh, well, this is something that could help me. And I think I want my next dog to be a service dog. And like, my current dog was old and she was dying. And so it was kind of like, I kind of actively went into like the next dog search with like a service dog in mind for sure. Yeah. So it's kind of what brought us to that is then it was just like, I applied to a program and they, you know, didn't really have like a fit for me. So I found um, like an individual trainer up near Sacramento and we just kind of went that direction. Okay. And what would you say? So I know you mentioned um, like when you're having a bad day, they're a shoulder to cry on. Would you, what would you say is the biggest difference between like an emotional support animal versus a service animal? Because I know there's a. Uh Yeah. So um, I'm going to say that like, it's not that people with emotional support animals aren't qualified for a service animal. Um, So much as to say that a service animal is task trained to mitigate a disability um and they are also trained in public access work so those are kind of like the two things you're going to hear um the most of so like you know if you're like have like bad anxiety or depression like a pet you know when you have a pet you have to get out of bed every day to make sure it's been like fed and watered and it like cuddles you and that's nice and that's really helpful for a lot of people but like task work is for example, if I'm feeling like I'm about to have a panic attack, Teddy can give me deep pressure therapy where she like gives me, it's like a big hug and she can, um, um, she gives you a big hug. So that's like a task or like when we're in a store or a convention and like I'm claustrophobic, she blocks the back end of me. So like people can't like come really close or um, as we've moved on, I've discovered um, like I have a, like I have an arrhythmia and a, um, and a blood pressure problem. And so she, um, She's, she now, like, can detect when those are coming up. So those are, like, specific trained tasks that she can help me do better. And I also have a sleep disorder. So, like, she is, like, we've learned, taught her how to wake me up because I don't wake up like a regular person, I guess. Like, I'm, it's, it's really hard. So I guess those are a few of, like, they're, like, it's, like, more specific, I guess. Yeah, that's so cool. I know um, the biggest thing that... I think of is like a, a service animal alerting a diabetic to a low blood sugar. Yeah. It's like, it's, you basically train it, um, basically the same way. It's like, it's about like your scent and your smell and your body like emits, um, like hormones and pheromones based on like, like different scenarios. And like they, the dogs have noses that can really detect things and you really have to learn to like, trust like trust like this superpower nose that they have like the super sniffer yeah that's yes. so cool to me so what would you say would be the biggest way a service animal could help somebody with turner syndrome i mean i know some of those you listed are very very common for turners um yeah yeah I would say when I was young, I had lots of meltdowns, like really big, screamy, cryy meltdowns. And they were like, a lot of the time they were related to math. And I think, you know, that's kind of normal, but like they related to like schoolwork and like, it was just like, I was like inconsolable and it didn't matter like what my mom did. It was just like an inconsolable thing that sometimes 
a human, especially when you're like socially awkward or anxious or something's like on the autism spectrum, which I'm not, but like, you know, people in my family are, my friends are, is like, you need something that's not a human. It's like, there's a touch of an animal. And a lot of people that, you know, are awkward with humans often have like a really special like connection with animals. And I think that, you know, it's really good for anxiety. And I would also say that, um, especially you can also do something called tethering. So like, or tracking. So like, if you have like, a, like, I know I wandered a lot as a kid. Like if you have a, like a child that wanders a lot, you can track them to like track your child or tether it to you where the, the kid holds the dog and then you hold the leash. And like that keeps your child who wants to be like near you. I'd also say like, um, we are also really prone to heart problems. And like, if you know, like the specific heart problem or arrhythmia you have, you can definitely like, learn how to train it to like detect I was gonna say like detect that like detect the scent change in your body and let them know when it's happening because I found out a lot of the time I just don't know what's happening yeah. and like I have an apple watch but like before the apple watch or you know not every kid needs like an apple watch kind of yeah I think those are like I would say the big things um definitely like I get dizzy a lot and stuff so I can use it for like She's not really big enough to do like balance work, but I can use her to like help me stand up or um, sometimes she can like fetch items or things like that or just being like disabled. I guess I feel I use that word for myself. I know it's kind of each individual person's like word to claim, but like fetching, helping fetch items that have like fallen or I need help getting. I think that's definitely helpful or even like Teddy doesn't do it, but I know you could like train them to go get help if something happens. Mm -hmm. um like go to mom or go get mom like if there's something you need that you, you, you don't necessarily have and I know um a lot of turners people often have like food intolerances or allergies I know there's it kind of goes it can go with diabetes sometimes or even like celiac disease and you could also train a dog to do like scent work for food detection um that would be another thing you could definitely learn how to train that's a cool Sorry. one. I've never heard of right, that. That was one. a really long-winded answer, but yeah. No, that was good. Those were some great examples. I was trying to think of different things. And of course, for me, in my case, I'm always like the anxiety. But <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so what would you say is the typical cost of buying? And I, I'm not sure how the process works as far as if – you purchase from a trainer that's already got the training all settled or if you purchase and then you facilitate finding a trainer. So maybe um, could you share how that might work and what the typical cost yeah. is? I guess like break it down to like there's three different paths. Um, the first path is going to be like your most traditional path. It's going to be, a pro it's, they're called program dogs. So think of something like guide dog for the blind but maybe like cane companions for independence or something like that they're really big like national programs um they're often hardest to get matched for because it depends on like their availability and you have to like put in an application and then most often those big programs will like help you fundraise and those are going to be like your most expensive like twenty-five thousand dollar dogs that you're never going to like buy by yourself straight out it's going to be like fundraise with somebody Okay. Um, I guess the second option, um, some people like will either pick, get a puppy. So this would be self-training. So you can either get a puppy, um, from like a pound or you could go through like finding like a, like a breeder that specifically train, like 
breeds puppies or sometimes, you know, so in that case, you're kind of looking for like a good line um, or like parents that have been like work dogs or like agility dogs or stuff like that. And then basically you, you don't have to have a professional trainer. Like there's nothing in the ADA that says it needs to be professionally trained. Um, it basically just means that you can, if you can do it and you have the skills to train a dog, you can train one for yourself. And then the third path, which is the path I went, was kind of somewhere in between. So I found um, a dog trainer up in Sacramento. Um, his name is Gary. Shout out, trained retrievers, California service dog, CA. Um, he was a former firefighter that developed PTSD. And he trained um, gun dogs for a really long time. And then he basically found that the same tasks that you train gun dogs for, like fetching and retrieval um, and things like that, you basically could translate those skills into service dogs. So he found that there was a better market for service dogs than gun dogs. So he basically trains a couple different kinds of dogs, but he can really do anything. Um, so often in the beginning, he was training like autism service dogs to like track children that like prone just to wander, um, as well as like deep pressure therapy and like companions so the kids that don't run. Um, otherwise, you, you know, if you tell him like what your disability entails and the kind of help you need, he can like work with you. So I got Teddy, let's say like 80% trained, like she was hundred percent, um, trained in public access. So that means like she's good in public. She doesn't try to attack dogs. She knows how to like sit under a table at a restaurant. Um, and she was trained for like anxiety stuff by itself. And then we quickly learned that basically when you have a hormonal change, some dogs can find it and some dogs can't. And so there's not like a way to like guarantee that the dog is going to be able to detect your scent. But Teddy started doing alerts really naturally um, to, my heart con to my heart condition, which we found out was a blood pressure thing this year, actually. And so basically from there, we man you manually train it. Um, so you give them like a positive and a negative sample and you tell them to check and you ask for like a certain, um, like a certain behavior for a positive and you don't ask for anything for a negative um, sample. So and you're just um, rewarding for them acknowledging the positive. Yeah, basically. So, you know, when I tell Teddy check, I expect a paw. Um, if I, if I'm positive and high or positive and low, but if I'm not, then I don't want her to respond basically. Okay. That's so cool. Yeah. So not a hundred percent accurate, I would say, but it's pretty good. What was the name of his organization again? It is, um, trained retrievers slash service dogs california or ca and his name is gary and he's he's really great yeah so i will try to put the links in the description box yeah yeah he's he's great he also has a a fellow trainer banner mountains and he she's her like protege and she kind of continued the business she was like a special ed teacher that like when she was in high school did a project on service dogs and like became a, tr a trainer as a result very cool. So you yeah. said it, it's typically um, the self-training with the doing the positive and negative. It's typically pretty accurate and good. Um, yeah. So some people or some people will like do kind of both. They'll pick up their own dog with that or like get like the help of a trainer. But the trainer will help you train your dog or teach you how to train it, which I guess is kind of like path four. So I wouldn't say Teddy's like a hundred percent reliable as like a cardiac alert dog, but she's really, she really knows that some, when, when something is up that pretty strongly. And it's definitely something we've worked on over the past like year. 
So how much does that third option, because I would expect this, the second option to kind of just be the cost of whatever the dog you find is, but yeah. third option, how much would you say the typical cost for that is? All right. I'm going to be honest. It was really pricey and I'm just a very blessed, I was very blessed with a family that could help me do this. And I think that sometimes when you're in a situation where you're out of answers, it's not necessarily going to be any more expensive than all of those medical bills. But out the door, she was $9,000 for my dog who has like um, really good genes and lines. She came from um, agility dogs and show dogs, basically, that um, often make good service dogs. So that gets you like a better chance of having like a good dog often. So she was, it was with my champion dog and the training was 9,000, um, which is, I know a lot, but I wouldn't say in the end of all of my medical bills was particularly a lot more than all of the other stuff over the years, if that makes sense. Well, yeah. And I mean, that's something that, I don't know, you pay that once and then you have her there for years. Yeah. The life and of the dog. And yeah, what I liked about this guy is he didn't send you home with a dog that didn't work. He said, it's okay if you don't want a dog. I'm not going to force you to sell a dog or buy a dog. Um, and I actually started with another dog who um, was really great, but he wasn't a good fit for me. And my mom like asked to see other dogs. And um, definitely part of a good organization is that they're not going to try to sell you it. And they're going to make sure you're going home with a dog that fits as opposed to something that's like, you know, kind of works, but isn't really like your one true pair. Yeah. 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 I think that's another kind of aspect of finding a service animal is one you bond with also at the same time, not just one that's matched to doing the tasks that you need. Yeah. Um, there's a YouTuber. She's, she's blind and she has a guide dog named Gallup. And, um, she talks a lot about like the process of getting one, uh, getting a, a seeing eye dog from Canada and, you know, how she'd had to change prospects and it was, you know, and like kind of what that whole situation was like. And um, so I trained over the course of like, let's say six months to a year um, with the trainer, like every month I'd go and visit. But the other thing is usually at the end of the training, if you haven't met the dog, you have like a two week or a one to like two week training session with like a trainer where they train you how to become like a handler at like the very end of all of that. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty good. So for somebody just starting out, where would you like, I mean, just a widespread Google search maybe for organizations, but where would you say is the best place to start when they're first looking into it? Um, honestly, I think I joined groups at first. Um, you kind of saw what people like the really vast, like the vast uses for a service dog or like even a working dog. And you got to see like, you know, you got to learn about tasks and like what, what kind of tasks and, you know, they encourage you not to task, task shop when you're looking for a service dog. You definitely get to learn, like you can learn um, similar things that issues that people have with you and how they help mitigate that like aspect of their disability. Um, okay. And that kind of gets you like a good start. And then honestly, I just went to Google. Um, I found a program, I think out of San Diego and they didn't have a match for me. And then um, I found Gary and we just kind of, um, I think I visited him in January. And then in the end of July, I brought a dog home, which is very quick for most people. It's usually, 
it can be a really long process, especially on your waiting list, like three years or something, sometimes two. I was just very lucky that I got in it, like got a dog in eight months. That was kind of going to so be my next a lengthy process. Like you have to be like willing to be in it for the long haul. I think. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I was going to say, I'm sure it's a time investment too. Yeah. We were driving up to Sacramento basically once to twice a month for like eight months, seven to eight months. And, um, I would say it was like hundred percent the best day of my life when Teddy came home and like, I knew this one dog, my original prospects, you call a dog in training, either a service dog in training, or if it's your service dog in training, it's called a prospect usually. And that's like someone you think has good potential, but you're not like, it's not necessarily fully trained and it, it hasn't necessarily like, cause oftentimes they'll wash, which means, you know, sometimes it basically means you untrain them for the, for the service work and they're going to be good for something else, yeah. but not service work. So Teddy's brother flunked out of service work, but he's, um, he's a hunting dog now. So, you okay. know, it's definitely like traits I see in Teddy, but he was, wasn't meant to be like somebody service dog. Yeah. So what breeds are typically the most common for service animals? Um, so there's something called the Fab Four. Those are the most often used. They're um, Golden Retrievers, Collies, Poodles, and Labradors. Those are the most common, but um, regardless to contrary belief, there's no um, there's no wrong, like there's no wrong answer for a breed. So you basically need a breed that's going to do the kind of work you need to do and size can matter or it can't matter. So like if you have a diabetic alert dog and no mobility problems, a tiny little dog would do the trick. Like a mini poodle would be just fine, you know? Yeah. Um, but if you need a dog that's going to do a little bit more, like, you know, attach a child that runs to it or sniffs, you need something that has like a good sniffer. So that would probably be like a good, good you know, good work for a lab. Um, Gary is currently training um, Dobermans for mobility work because they're really big and bulky guys. And if you're doing mobility work, you need um, a third of your body weight in the dog for light work or ha you have to be half the weight of the dog. But the dog has to be half your weight for heavy mobility work. So like that depends. Or like if you're in, if you have a, like a guide dog, the, they need to be the proper height for you to hold their handle and have the handle up from them. Like they need to be appropriately sized to you for some stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. Or if you like, or if you need deep pressure therapy, um, if a, some people need a dog that's heavy, like a little bit of light work won't give them like that true relaxing sensation and it won't like, you know, release your neural, your like happy neurotransmitters. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. I could see how that would be something that would really be individual. Yeah, so it's, it's very, it is very individual. Is there anything within medical insurance or grants or anything like that that helps with some of those costs? Um, I don't think medical insurance tends to cover them. Um, it's kind of like medical insurance doesn't cover so many things. Like, you know, hearing aids and stuff are kind of like, never covered by medical insurance glasses are kind of like sort of covered by insurance. Um, I know a lot of people do like a traditional way, like a GoFundMe or something like that. Um, otherwise some people, um, sometimes some, some organizations will help you fundraise out there or, um, sometimes there's, I'm not sure if there's like true grants, but it's definitely kind of like, like a community of fundraising. I feel like, especially for service dogs is kind of like the, really the best way to go for that. Okay. Yeah. That, that is a, I mean. It's a very I, modern answer. 
Yes, but I, I think that that's a brilliant way. I kind of feel the same way about certain, like, fertility treatments because the people yeah. around you love you so much. They are going to ask for the ways they can help anyways, and then you're just right. like, hey, well, there you go if you want to help. <laughs> right. Here's, here's those costs. That'd be great. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. So if there was one takeaway, like one piece of advice you could give somebody, what would it be? Um, it's definitely like a big, scary world at first. And I think it's important to understand when you've like run out of like traditional medical options. Um, like there's just a point in my life where like I was looking at service dogs, but I couldn't go to a doctor's appointment with having another breakdown of another doctor that didn't understand my condition or so they didn't want to treat me or like, so they didn't know what to do anymore and was just kind of like, well, you have this disability and you just kind of have to live with it. Sorry. Um, especially when you're not like a young person with Turner syndrome, when there's like, I feel like a lot more outreach, um, especially when you're like older and like, you don't necessarily know as many people your age range with it. Um, sorry, but it could be for anybody really. But um, just knowing like, when it's okay to reach other options and knowing that it's a little scary at first, but uh, honestly, it's like, it's just really rewarding having a service dog. Um, she makes my life so much better. It's really hard getting people to accommodate it, especially like in a world that doesn't understand, but you're already fighting this battle anyway. Like you've already spent your whole life trying to, you know, being taught how to speak up for yourself and when you need help and stuff. And uh, it just, it makes my life better. Like, you know, I've used up all the medication options and I'm on the medication and I'm seeing therapist and I have a great support room. But at the end of the day, like you, if you need that like extra, like that extra something, it's just really great to have a companion, like a companion that's yours and always with you and always willing to, you know, snuggle and who will just kind of do anything for you, I think, you know, and yeah. like, you don't have to be scared. If you're a parent with a child of it. It's definitely like always worth it to have like a tag team, like. Yeah. You know, you can work with your service dog and your child and like that, that's very doable. And I think a lot of people are scared of it. Um, but like, even though I'm an adult, like I took my mom to all our training classes and it's always good to have like a backup person to who's able to like train your dog and help you out. Like if something happens, you know? Yeah. But, like, excellent. especially for like girls that are seeing a lot of doctors, like it's scary and you know, it's good to have someone to like give a big hug or sit on top of you when you're getting like doing injections or infusions or, um, you know, having a breakdown in school. Like, I think that it felt alone a lot of the time when I was a kid, like there wasn't anybody out there that like had experienced what I had experienced. And I was just really frustrated because I fell through the cracks a lot and it felt really good to be like seen. And also sometimes I think Turner's is like an invisible disability. Like, it feels, like, so invisible. Like, you know something's going on, and, you know, sometimes you have certain features, but, like, going out in public, it, sometimes it's really helpful to have a service dog that, like, flat out says, this person has a disability. Like, they can take the disability seat sometimes when they need it. Like, they're, they're having trouble standing today, or they're having a heart condition, and people, you know, sometimes it's, like, having, a like, a white cane. Like, some of it is good for, like, helping you navigate the streets, and some of it is good for telling people to watch out where you're going and like not to please walk into you because you don't see them, you know? Yeah. 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 That is, oh man, that is very true because 
especially for certain things that come with it, like, like, like Teddy standing behind you in crowds for anxiety. It's like, nobody's going to be able to look at you and know to even think to do that. Right. They're just going to be like, oh, let's get closer. Yeah. So things like that, that I, oh man. Yes. I love that. That's so true. Um, okay. Well, and I love, I love the whole math issue thing because having my, our family dog cuddled up to my side while I was fighting through math homework, like, yeah, a hundred percent made it more survivable. (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and they're so cute. And they're cute. I mean, how can you like tell that person no? (laughs) She just wants to play all the time. So what breed is she? So Teddy is a lab, um, aka Fab Four. I would definitely say I had labs as a kid. So like at a lab in Golden. So it was like, it just made sense for me to get a lab, I guess, like anyway. So it didn't really matter that the guy only basically trained Labradors. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. But in general, I think that they're probably like, they're just a really good working dog and a working breed. Because um, they're super driven, um, super energetic, but they're also usually family dogs. Teddy herself does not like children, actually. I know. Even though everyone's <laughs> like, but she's a lab. But um, usually they're really great with kids. That's awesome. Hi, baby. Very cool. Okay. Well, I have run out of my questions I had. Although, you had some great questions. I was making notes before I started. Okay. <laughs> I was like, what do I want to ask? I need to make sure I'm like anything. As somebody that knows nothing, what would I be curious about? What would I want to right. know? Um, so the last thing that I've been asking everybody is this year's, I'm going to have to change it after next February, but this year's Turner Your Month Awareness theme was be uniquely you and so I've been asking everybody what does that mean to you what does that look like for you oh hey oh my gosh okay so (laughs) I guess it's kind of just like I think I've learned that you know a lot of people especially when you're like a teen or like preteen like you're really nervous about like how people perceive you and what they perceive you as especially when you feel like you're like sticking out and like not getting in and I guess with Teddy, I've learned that, like, she's going to stick out in a crowd. Like, and that's okay. Like, it's okay to, like, she's, like, kind of becomes, like, she's a conversation starter for a lot of people. Like, oh, your dog is so beautiful. Or, oh, my, you know, my niece has a service dog. Or, oh, um, I was at Disneyland and I had a mother come up to me and she says, oh, my daughter has a service dog. But, like, I delivered at the hotel. I didn't know Disneyland allowed service dogs. And it was, like, I think it's, like, being, like, like willing to express yourself and accept that they're kind of, like, and it's an extension of, like, your expression, but she's also definitely, like, a huge part of me. It's kind of, like, she's, like, she's, like, attached. Like, she's literally attached to me for, like, 23 hours a day, and, like, honestly, it's, 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 it's great. It's, like, a really good feeling, but I know that, you know, sometimes it's, it's a little scary or different, and that's okay. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Do you have any, oh, <laughs> <laughs> all right just had to get her in the video for a minute there yes absolutely thank you come here oh, one more thing oh. spin. Oh, come here. Spin. she's like no I'm not gonna spin right now but we tried 
She's like, I have my yeah, ball. So I think that's, <laughs> yeah, this is my ball ball. Don't distract us. <laughs> Thank you so much for talking with me. Yeah. Thanks, Brooke. Those were really good questions. And I'm glad that I feel like it's not like a usually thought about like treatment option for girls with turners, but I think that if more people knew, I think it would be like a really good, like good option, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think that we definitely have a lot of things. It's just not like in ways that are traditionally thought about. Yes. Yes. And I feel like a lot that is easy to get dismissed and and is acknowledged as much. So that I know for me, I can tend to take that on myself and then be like, oh, I don't really need anything. It's not that big of a deal. And Right. After a while, it kind of adds up. Not the case. Yeah, definitely. So. One other thing is I know with girls with turners after have hearing problems, and one great thing you can do with dogs is also train them to, like, be hearing alert dogs and let you know if someone's, like, at the door or rings the doorbell or is, like, right behind you. That would be another one. Oh, yes. That's brilliant. Yeah. I love that. It's so amazing how many different things they can do that are just life-changing for the person that needs that. Right. Dogs are amazing creatures in general. Yes. I agree. Okay. Thank you so much for talking with me. Yeah, thanks. It was good talking. Yeah, it was good to get to talk to you and hear about Teddy and everything. Oh, and if you want, you can follow Teddy on Instagram, Teddy at Teddy the SD, or on Facebook at Teddy the SD. Yes, I will put those things. <laughs> that too. was important. I love all of the pictures. I follow Teddy. It's adorable. Uh, it, she definitely posts a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, have a great rest of your day. You too. Bye now. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Coffee and Turner Syndrome. If you would like to support the podcast, I do have listener support set up on Anchor. And if you'd like to leave me a voice message, I would love to hear from you. Don't forget, you can find the video version of this podcast on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash brooktv. Make sure you're subscribed so you see when the next one comes out. And I will see you guys in the next episode.